Hello, I'm Weekly Season 4, Episode 18 with Johnny Ward and Daniel McDonald. Today's special guest, Kieran Kilduff and Mark Roster. Kieran Fresh, as ever when he comes on this show, uh, of having scored for Shelburne against Galway United uh, at the weekend. And Mark Roster will tell us, uh, as will Kieran, about what he thinks the Stephen Kenny reign is going to entail. And we'll just catch up with the two lads. This is Episode 18. Thanks to our new sponsors, Lotto Land, where you can find all the odds and special bets for the rest of the SSE or Tristy Premier Division season. And check out lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Make sure to stay tuned. We'll have some specials uh, coming up later in the show. And you'll find us on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, at LOI Weekly, on Twitter in association with their sport. And independent.ie, 3,800 words, Dan, you did about Dundalk at the weekend. Are you recovered from it? Are you recovered from all the... Uh, we had a couple of birthday points uh, at the weekend and you were, you, were, you were frazzled by all the attention this piece was getting. I wasn't frazzled. Ah, you were. Well, you actually, in terms of our company, you weren't that frazzled. No, exactly. To be fair, ah, like I mean, it, we touched on it last week. You probably needed to do something about stuff that had been going on for a while, and uh, I suppose the rumours had. Well, I mean, there were rumours, but they weren't really rumours. The more people mm-hmm. you spoke to, you realised that a lot of them were were facts, basically. Um, and and what you've seen is. Um, you know, uh, an unraveling of a, of a lot of, probably a lot of good stuff. I mean, I know the two lads that are joining us were, were both at the club, but it's maybe a hard one to speak about if you're not there at the moment. I appreciate that. Um, but it's, 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 uh, it's sort of strange how it's all unfolded. And I suppose we hinted at that in the last couple of weeks, but probably wanted to go into it a bit more. And you probably needed that word count to sort of explain a lot of things, which I think maybe people around Dundalk would have been aware of a certain amount of it or would have heard a certain amount of it. On grapevine, um, but just basically, as well that and John Gale are gone as well. So that's, yeah, uh, so like that's that's no great surprise, and they have the new Italian management team now. Um, but but yeah, like what what has happened there is that um, when the American owners took over, um, there would have been Mike Tracy and people who were previously on on the show here there, and a lot of the buffers and a lot of people who would have been you know, as the link people between the ownership and say the dressing room, a lot of them have left for various reasons. And we have ended up in a slightly unusual situation where it's, it's Vinnie Perth would have been dealing quite directly with, with, with someone who doesn't work for Peak Six. It just happens to be the father of the, the founder of Peak Six, um, who has unique views on, on, on football. You know, they, they're, they're new to the sport, you know, a lot of the stuff, you know, that's out there. A lot of the things like, you know, thinking Gary Rogers should take the corners and Brian Gartland should take throws because he's a basketball coach. Um, a lot of that stuff, to be fair, was, I mean, I, I met the point in the piece, football clubs worldwide have been taken over by owners who don't necessarily enjoy, you know, uh, know the sport intimately. And I guess, you know, a lot of discussions happen like that. Um, that 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 like you know you, they never get reported. But what has become important here, of course, is that this person has become centrally involved in in day to day stuff, um, dealing with volunteers and 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 people that are on the ground, um, and 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 it's been quite difficult for people. I think it was difficult for Vinny. I don't necessarily think. I think in hindsight, I think you know with a bit more experience, I'm sure he would manage the situation differently. Um, but at the same time, I don't think people necessarily saw what was coming and, and, and they saw it as probably a massive positive initially that someone, you know, so close to the main man was, was interested. But obviously, in time, that's just become a bit unorthodox. And I mean, the one thing that really brought this to a head, and, and I, I, I mentioned this over the weekend, and, and this is probably what brought home to me, it's why some people left, is, for example, uh, the, that how desperate they were to play this friendly against Celtic after the break. Um, and we, we, we know with Phil Hogan and everything that's going on at the moment, like we know what the issues are with, with COVID restrictions coming into the country and going to play a game in Scotland just wasn't going to be a runner without special permission. They didn't have that permission. And when you have people at the club dealing with requests such as um, you know, could we could we put the team in bunk beds in the youth development centre for two weeks? Um, could could we maybe just try and get to St Pat's game, which is the live on TV first Ross game after the break? Who would I be bunking with there? In the background? <laughs> could could we get that game uh, called off, 
or maybe even play the under-19s in that game, when the dog are three points behind, you know, with 13 games to go. And, and there is no doubt that some of the distractions there, I think other people at the club, their head was all over the place. There was other stuff going on, obviously, with Harry Taff, and we've touched on that, and what, how sad that was. And they're dealing with, with, with calls from a different time zone that are, appear to be from a different um, planet at times. And um, running a League, League of Ireland club day-to-day is difficult. And it's no surprise, really, that form struggled. And I think everyone was affected by it. You know, all the stories about after games or during games, phone calls coming in uh, to staff at the club, trying to get messages there. That's why I ended up talking about having a discussion about putting a phone line to the bench. I mean, what the hell is going on with that? And um, that, that's, that's basically what has happened. Uh, and maybe, you know, some people interpret it as a power play, a control play, and that maybe they've changed management now. Things might relax, but they want to. And to be honest, I think attempts have been made in the last week or so. I'm very much aware of attempts to try and get the message to, to people around peak six. Because, again, like Bill Hulsizer is not peak six. To get the message to peak six, the, maybe were they even aware of the extent to which this meddling, I think it is meddling, um, was becoming a drain on people. So we'll see from now if they uh, we'll see from now if they if, if if there's a hands-off approach. But if this has happened once, I don't think it's not going to happen twice. Yeah, Rossi, it's a long way removed from your days at the club when uh, you know it was an up-and-coming, fairly stable club that eventually fell into these riches, which it now looks in danger of almost pilfering away with all the madness that's gone on there. It's, it's, you know, the sad thing about it is, like, you know, Dundalk have made strides um, in Europe, you know, to promote the league as, as well as they've done. Um, and, and it's nearly farcical what's, what's happening uh, at the minute. It's quite sad, actually, because mm. they've, they've, they've got the guts of an unbelievable squad there that, I suppose, off the field antics now are, are taking over and, uh, and affecting play. Um, I think I look. I don't know anything about peak sticks, and I don't know anything about uh, Bill. Um, I just think for a person who doesn't know anything about football, if it was, you know, a chairman coming in like who has a football background, you know, like say, I know it's completely out of context, but somebody like Arsene Wenger, who's ahead of football, he'd leave the manager alone, even though he probably has his own ideas. But I just think from his point of view. Uh, it's it's extremely arrogant from the American to to feel that he knows nothing about it. And look, I, I don't know if this is tongue in cheek with the likes of Garts and and Gary Rogers, but I just think it it makes a mockery of the league, to be honest. Just just on it as well, Kieran. I suppose the fact that as a player, what would this be like for the Dundalk lads? Because there's been so much upheaval. When you think of since Stephen Kenny left, you've also had recent departures, obviously of Galen Reynolds. Uh, Shane Keaton came in; he's still there. Vinny came in for a year and a bit as manager and is now gone. And then two Italian guys have come in, um, and we'll be talking more about Italy later in the show with the Juve, sorry, with AC Milan, Shamrock um, Rovers draw. What would it be like for a player to kind of try to perform under all this upheaval? And why do you think Dundalk just have dipped so badly uh, since lockdown? Yeah, like, I don't, that Dundalk that I was at, like, you can't, with all those stories that Dan's after going through there and reading through the article, like, I don't recognise that setup there at Dundalk. Like when I was there, Stephen Kenny being the manager and Vinny was assistant and the players that were there, it, it's all changed now. It's a complete different club from top to bottom, behind the scenes, on the pitch. It's, 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 there's a lot of change. And probably the ones that have been there through it all, from their Gary Rogers, Sean Gannon, Massey, Gertz, all those lads who've been there, they've probably seen the transformation like times 100. Lads coming in, I mean, don't remember what it used to be like. And these lads now must be literally scratching their heads going, how did it get to here? Now, there's no disrespect to Dundalk. I still think they're one of the best clubs in the country in terms of the players. Uh, on, on their day, they're as good as anybody. Um, but like from being where they were to where they are now, I imagine that's probably one of the main contributing factors to why their form has dipped because they're used to better. Do you know what I mean? There was never this circus of what's going on in the background, off the pitch. The article, as Rossi said, like, it is. It, it, it devalues nearly the whole league because people are reading this sensationalised stuff about what they wanted to do, which is which is effectively nonsense. And that's a huge injustice to the players who are in that dressing room because they're better than that. And they shouldn't even be associated with something as amateur as that. 
Yeah, I think like I think the lads will obviously be very aware of this as well, and, and probably where I started to get worried because I think like this stuff had been going on for a while, and it's not that you didn't want to draw attention to it, but you, you listen, every boardroom in the country probably has strange things that happen or said we know like and that's at every level of like league one league two in england like all sorts of stories you hear and encounter and so on and even last november there was a bit of chat around about that that bill was there wanting to like boycott the cup final it was only after the cup final i spoke to some people i suppose behind the scenes at the club who were like you don't realize sort of some of the madness that was going on around that game uh, and even now you just think, like, can you imagine if they'd somehow put out a statement or said they weren't going to play the game? When, like, the Chris Shields suspension was their fault. Like, it was their, it was their fault. Was no, we can blame anything. You can blame the FEI for whatever thing you want, and we always do, but, but not on that. But what worried me, obviously, a couple of weeks ago was that when you, when you hear, and it wouldn't be familiar to maybe a national audience, but when you hear that, like, people like Colin Murphy are stepping away, who were a part of the, the fabric of the club day to day, and, you know, sort of any pieces like and, and, and Karen from 2016 would know like visas and any travel stuff and European stuff or whatever. Like these are the people on the ground and Martin Connolly stepping back from the board last week while staying at the club. When those people who's best, who, who, who everyone knows have the best interest of the club at heart, there's no doubting that in any way. There's no glory in it for them. Um, that's, that's when it becomes real, you know, and that's obviously in the last couple of weeks when you hear that those people are going. Uh, you know, in, in, in Colm's case and a couple of other volunteers' case, you're thinking, bloody hell, like this is serious. And really, there was a sense that probably some of this just needs to be exposed. I, I appreciate that it's, it's, it's an embarrassing story, um, but I think there was a feeling that uh, people felt quite helpless to some degree that, you know, th- that this was happening. And maybe locally people knew, but it needed to be highlighted beyond it in hope that it like provokes a debate and a discussion and maybe people in America might notice this and were they even necessarily aware of all of this um, because there was definitely an element of I think uh, Peak Six commit to football initially trying to like build their brand and football and stuff and this stuff like I hate using the term but I mean it's sort of true it is quite damaging for the brand to some degree to be associated with this slapstick nonsense really and a lot of it is that flip side of this is that they won 2-0 in Cove, the new managers of a 100% record, and they've gotten a fairly soft draw in Europe as well. Let's talk Europe, lads, because an awful lot went on since last week. It was uh, Obviously, we had Bowes going out valiantly in Hungary. Shamrock Rovers went through in a ridiculous penalty shootout. And then the draw pitched uh, AC Milan and Shamrock Rovers, I think, Thursday week that's on. Um, and then, obviously, Dundalk are going away to a team in Andorra. Um, or, or rather Thursday fortnight Johnny Thursday, Thursday fortnight, fortnight yeah, rather yeah. Um, but I don't know what you, what you saw of it lads I, I watched the Bows game on the stream and they were absolutely excellent I went to the Shamrock Rovers game and they kind of they just have a habit of hobbling through games at the moment but um, I don't know what you made of it Rossi obviously former Bows player as well they went out valiantly look at it when you see the penalty Casey hitting the post half an inch left or right you're a, you're a hero or you're not look at they, they gave absolutely everything they were unbelievable Twardek Twardek has shown form that I didn't uh, think he was capable of when I seen him for Sligo last year. Uh, Wardy instrumental. I think the biggest question I'd have is what what's happened to Mandrew, for example, as you know, he was the talisman for them last year. And well, I, I'd even wonder where he's going to go now. I, I could see him leaving Bowes and Ward has become Devoy is coming in and Mandrew is barely a bit part player at the moment. He will leave, yeah. Yeah, but you know, like you're looking at one of the most talented players in the country last mm. year to, to be in big part. I don't know, I don't know the chap, so I don't know if it's an attitude thing or if it's just Wardy's been unbelievable. So um, you know, Keith Buckley runs that team to be fair. Bucko's been unbelievable all year and any of the games you see where it's where it's on telly, I know they have the stream now the whole time, but any of the times I've seen him play, he's he's been he's been unreal. So look at it's unfortunate. Um but but again they gave a huge performance and for anybody who was watching the game, watching who doesn't watch the league, can't can't speak highly enough or, or positively enough about them. Lads, I mean, the last boat year, like uh, this Shamrock Rovers AC Milan draw, there's obviously like mixed, um, there's, there's a bittersweet aspect to the whole thing because, um, you know, the, you've been involved in sort of European games and big matches, and I assume a certain aspect of it is the atmosphere, the crowd, the different balls, you know, friends and family getting to go to the games and stuff like that. Um, but see, so the, the Shamrock Rovers players are now going to get the thrill of obviously playing still against an amazing. An amazing team, 
but at the same time, you know, they are, they are, uh, you know, it's going to be behind closed doors. I mean, I don't know, Kieran, what do you think they'll be thinking about AC Milan? Still excited, but I wonder, will it be a bit different? It will definitely be different. Like, it's still the glamour tie. And, you know, unless you were going to get a, say, a weaker opposition that you think you could progress in, you'd be better off taking the glamour tie. You get to pit yourself against arguably some of the best players in the world. That's still there for all the players. Obviously, the occasion is what's probably going to, you know, you're going to have to sacrifice a bit in the in the current climate. Um, some of them lads in there will be relishing the opportunity to put themselves up against those players. And, and that still remains. Um, I, I still think it's a brilliant tie. I think the whole country got talking about it. They all still, you know, it's all over the internet and everywhere, the papers. It's a, it's a, it's a hell of a tie, do you know what I mean, for an Irish team to be going up against a giant like AC Milan. And to be honest, um, yeah, to be honest, I'm jealous not to be, you know, you, you want to be playing in those games as a player while you're still playing, you know, what, what a tie to play. And um, I do take, obviously, your point, you know, it is going to sacrifice a little bit um, without the fans and stuff like that. But I, I still think there'll be a huge audience from home and there'll be a lot of people will be tuning into that one. Yeah, like Rossi, like, I mean, when you, you're, you're finished now, you've stopped playing. Like when you think back on your career, <laughs> you're, not, you're not finished in life, to be clear. But, but, but um, like, you know, I don't know, do you keep memorabilia or have you, are you one of those people that keep stuff? But is it like some of the players you play against that are enduring memories or if you're sitting around at mates or something, you go, yeah, I played against him or him. or Because like, I'm just thinking like that this Latin memory probably, if he plays, it's probably not going to be diminished for some of the players, even if it is. As, no, as, it, it, as, look, it is, as Karen said, it is the glamour tie. But to be honest, I'd be looking at it from the glamour tie that, you know, you want to play, I suppose, in Italy in front of 60,000 people with it as well to feel the atmosphere. Um, I think from Shamrock Rover's point of view, it's the glamour tie and they're not going to financially benefit from this. If they played in the Aviva, they'd, they'd get what, 50, 40, 50,000 people to go to it. So financially, they would have done well out of it. Um, are they going to, like the fact that it's going to be a one-off game, you know, anything can happen, but I, w- I wouldn't expect them to get a result. But, you know, for the likes of Jack Byrne, I suppose, who who will want to probably see himself playing at a higher level again, um, you know, it gives him an opportunity to play against some top top opposition to to see where where he is um against that caliber of player i think that, i think there are a lot, a lot of positives on this as well because it's a good showcase for the league of ireland rovers are going into the game as the form team in the league of ireland if not those they're well capable of doing well in europe milan are coming in cold and even though there isn't a crowd at the game say if it's tala talking eight thousand or whatever they know there's a massive audience watching this. There is a massive crowd at this game, but just not in the ground. So I think there's a, there will be a huge sense of occasion. And, you know, fair enough, Rovers would have had a good chance or, or a fair chance of beating either of the other two. But this is a massive, massive kind of showpiece for the League of Ireland. And I think Rovers are well up to giving them a game of some description. That's why you, you want them to. Absolutely. Like, I... I, I look at I'm, I played for Bowles for years, but I'd love nothing more than to see them get a result against AC Milan as well to, to catapult the league again. And I suppose it'll get worldwide attention or European that I suppose these minnows against David Goliath uh, type thing. Um, you know, nothing better than Aaron Green scoring a winner. But um, <laughs> look at the likelihood is they're not going to get anything. Yes, they are cold, but look at the, the Milan players are going to keep themselves in outrageous, uh, outrageous shape in an off season. So I don't, uh, I don't envisage that they, they'll come in. I suppose not fit, for example. Yeah, I don't, I don't think as well. I mean, I mean, Rovers would have played Juventus previously, and and. Uh, you know, high-profile games, and they like they didn't move down to the Aviva. I think people around Rovers are sort of, uh, I think they're disputing the suggestion that they're, this is costing them loads of stuff. I think they probably, recent history would suggest they would have probably played the game in Tala anyway. Um, but that that I mean, that seems to be what I've been told anyway. You know, and that's an opinion that's there. Um, and I think they actually dispute the extent to which this has cost them loads of money, being a second-round qualifier. Um, you know, the extent to which they might have actually like completely cashed in on this. I think of previous examples, they're not so sure. I think even I think even TV rights for Juventus was only something like, uh, I think it was 30, 40, 50 grand, you know? So it's it maybe not... in comparison to the money that Bowes were getting from Matt Doherty anyway. 
Well, this is it. This is it. I mean, you can you can um, you can you can play AC Milan, or you can have a ten percent clause on a on a player. Have a lad who played for you twice or whatever, like. Yeah, or didn't even play. Yeah, played at all. Well, this is the thing. Maybe we should talk about Matt Doherty briefly because um, this people talk about this Bohemians Wolves game ten years ago. Now the story sometimes loses a bit because actually Wolves had asked for Matt Doherty to be played. They were actually aware of him before the match, but Mark Rossiter was on the pitch. In that game, so I mean, like, this, Mark, is, this is our big exclusive today. Uh, well, it's not exclusive. We found someone who was on the pitch. The facts. I mean, there was a lot of people on the pitch that day. But like, d- did you think you were on the pitch with like a I don't know a fifteen to eighteen million pound player, future Premier League sort of leading light? No. Do you know what it was like? I suppose the funniest memory I have of that game was because I'd known Mick and Jody Craddock was their captain at the time and I played with him in England and stuff. And uh, I think the funniest thing was the left winger was standing beside Matt and Jason McGuinness was playing centre-back with me. And McGuinness kept telling him because he was marking him the wrong side. So like he was on the outside near the touchline and the winger is on his inside. And Jay would be there going, Matt, you're wrong side. And Matt would be turning around going to him like this, going, yeah, I hear you. You know, like this. Oh, Just to be clear, there's like a phone sign that he's doing yeah, there. Yeah, like yeah. giving it an emoji there, like a thumbs up going, relax, bro. You know, <laughs> and uh, McGuinness is turning around to me. And if anybody knows what Jay was like on the pitch, Jay's there turning around going, Rossi, will you fucking tell him, will you, to come around here? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just laughing at him, but he was just very laid back and lax. But he was he was unbelievable in the Wolves game. But then a few days later, we played against Aston Villa, and Ashley Young was playing. And Mick had come back over with his uh, with his assistant to watch him again, and he marked Ashley Young out of the game. He was unbelievable. Wow. That's was not very very spoken good. about very much, I guess. Sorry, that's not spoken about as much, like. No, it was like I, he performed well in the in the Wolves game. He he played well. You'd give him an eight out of ten, but against uh, against Aston Villa, he was unreal. He was very, very good. So they came back to watch him a second time, and he was even better. And who would have thought, Killer, that uh, in light of this transfer, you know, that he's had like so few caps for Ireland, and there still seems to be a doubt as to whether he'll even be starting under Stephen Kenny? Yeah, no. Look, but I think he's going to come in now and play. You know, he's, right he's back. Playing a- yeah, arguably, yeah, you'd imagine so. He, he'll find a place for him. Stephen will do that. He's he's probably our leading, highest kind of ranked player in the Premier League right now. You know, 15 million to Spurs playing under Mourinho. He's going to play for us. Do you know what I mean? He, they'll, they'll find a place to him. And yeah, it was just an interesting one because he has probably burst onto the scene the last two, three years rather than being always on it. Do you know what I mean? He's now come from under the radar and now he's a, he's a leading light for us. So, yeah, you'd be, you'd, I'd imagine Stephen Kenny will always have, find a place for someone like that in the team, and uh, it's just a matter of where. Um, but look, at that'll all come to light in the next couple of weeks because um, it's an exciting time, obviously now for Ireland leading into it, and um, you know we've a lot of players that are looking for positions. Yeah, because we, we have we have the, the first Ireland game tomorrow. It's funny actually, they uh, they they obviously it's been done remotely. There's there's no press actually travelling from Ireland to it because of the restrictions. Um, but they haven't put Seamus Coleman up for press today when he's the captain, and they normally do. I think that's probably as much of a hint as anything that that, that he probably won't be starting tomorrow. I think that the majority will play. But I mean, Stephen, there is a, a natural interest here in how Stephen Kenny does because whether we like it or not, I think a lot of people are are talking about the League of Ireland in the context of Stephen, and it's 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 a, sort of a, an overlapping debate. It almost feels like if he doesn't do well it'll be attributed to his background, even if the reasons he doesn't do well could be something completely different. You know, it could be, it'll always be judged that what well, the players didn't take to him and maybe it could be just because he, I don't know. Let's just scrap block. the League of Ireland forever if he doesn't do well. Well, it's just, there's, there's going to be a referendum on it, whether we, you know, it's, and it'll, it can go both ways. But, Kieran, when we have you there, actually, there's been a lot of debate around what he's going to do with his forward players. And you've played for a Stephen Kenny team um, you've been part of a Stephen Kenny European campaign and I've sort of been making the point to, to, over the squad debates and discussions that like, it's no surprise that someone like Adam Ida, he really likes him because he likes a particular type of a number nine. He always, probably always has in recent years and he's, in fairness, Stephen has spoken quite openly about playing with a, you know, a 4-3-3 or a version of a 4-3-3 with like two wide attackers and, and a central player. I guess you know very well what what style Stephen likes and what he li- likes from a number nine. I mean, what? But to people who don't know that, like, what should they expect 
in that area. Yeah, look, yeah, look, look the thing with Stephen is he, he always kind of adapted to who he was playing against. You know, he'll look at the opposition and see, you know, does he need legs in behind? You know, have I options for that? Maybe it'll be a lone man. Maybe he'll even go with two at times. He, he was never afraid to do that. So I think his, his team selection at times could change on the opposition. He, he tends to do that at times. Now, obviously, coming into an international setup, it, it's, it's different. You obviously, you don't work with them day to day and, you, you know, you're, you're looking at form and things like that at club level. And that'll all be taken into consideration. Now, the one thing that he'll be doing is that everyone will be sure of their jobs and he will know the way he'll want to play. So... He even saw that with his, as you said, Adam Ida, players that he knows that he have done a job from in the past. He, he is loyal to people like that, even no more so than myself. You know, he like he he brought me to Dundalk when I wasn't playing at Pat. You know what I mean? He he knows what he wants and what fits his system. So um it'd be a really interesting one all over the pitch. And, and I think as well, like you kind of said it at the start, I think he's handled to this, to, the, to today. Before the football has started, I think he's handled everything brilliantly. You know what I mean? I think so far his appointment has reflected well on the league. I think the way he spoke, handled things, he's picked his team, and he's been true to what he's done so far. Yes, look, everyone's going to be, you know, we're all excited for tomorrow night to see how this goes. And, and you know, I hope, like you said earlier, Dan, like, I, I hope it's not just going to be, you know, if it goes bad, it's a reflection on the league and stuff like that. Stephen Kenny was appointed this job. We, we heard, I think it was Jason McAteer's comments about Brian Kerr's tenure there a few weeks, a couple of days ago. And that, again, you know, it seems to be very easy to pin this back on League of Ireland. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, if it doesn't work, it's League of Ireland. You know, that's what it is, which is unfair. And to be honest, it shouldn't be the case. But for the League of Ireland and for everyone who's supporting it, and Stephen Kenny himself, I think it's important and I hope it goes very well for us. You know what I mean? Because that just is the nature of the beast. And no better man for me to, to be doing it. And as I said, he, he picks his team and he'll be true to what he, what he believes. And um, that won't change regardless. Yeah, Mark, what are you thinking? I mean, like, I mean, Jason McIntyre's comments, people aren't aware, was just going back to the whole thing of, yeah, when Brian Kerr came in, it was players who'd, who'd competed at the top of the, the game who... Who I think I, I don't want to paraphrase in his comments, but it was almost like you know they weren't they weren't uh, they weren't bowled over by him here. And even though I, was, I mean the point is that I think Chris Hewitt would have done a lot of training as well. It was obviously you know a very established pedigree. His point was the training sessions were very basic. Now I think Jason McIntyre had his own issues with Brian Kerr too. But uh, I mean, is it a worry, Mark, that some players could be thinking in, in this way? No, to, to me it's not because. Right, um, Stephen and Keith Andrews work together at the 21. So obviously Keith Andrews believes in what Stephen does. Otherwise, why would he go to a senior setup? But more to the point, one of the best players Ireland has ever produced. Why would he leave Celtic to come back as an Irishman if he wasn't bowled over by what Stephen is looking to do and throw his name at it as well? Like, why would Damien Duff come back if he if he didn't believe? when he spoke to Stephen that, yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, so to, to have that pedigree behind you, I, I think speaks volumes. I don't think there's enough made of that. Because like, these are you know coaches coming in very much in the infancy of their own careers. And that's what's exciting about it. You marry that then with all these young players that are up and coming. But there's so much chat about Stephen Kenny. What about Duff and Andrews, for example? Absolutely. Like, and, and anything that I hear about Keith Andrews, um, I met him a long time ago, but apparently he's an excellent coach, very well spoken. He's an articulate man. I don't know what what Damien Duff is like as a coach. Um, I couldn't tell you, but when I spoke to Rory Higgins about him, he said they just got they got rave reviews about him at Celtic. That he's he's excellent and brought a lot to the table for Neil Lennon. Um, so look at I I think with the philosophy of football that Stephen wants to play, I uh, I wouldn't look at I'd like to see if if he's playing a team. You know, I'd like to see Shamey Coleman maybe playing a tree at the back with Duffy and Egan and uh, have Matt Darty and Nenda playing in, in the positions where they've played and be wing-backs. So if he went for a 3-4-3, three, three, say. Um, but I think the Irish population would lose their minds if they seen that. I think they'd love it. I think the players would love it to have this expansive football. Um, and I think it'd be great to see. But any, any team that Stephen has been a part of, say, like in the 90s, um, the 2000s with Derry, you know, um, it's always beautiful football. So I think, you know, any player that has played under Stephen will attest to it that it's, it's, it's great to play for. Yeah, I think, I think what's interesting is like he was out on the pitch the other day with the players and people could almost hear him 
talking about how he wants people to operate with intensity and he was talking about Jason Malumbi. He likes the sort of chaotic style he brings. And like, you lads don't know like, what a Stephen team talk can be like. And it's the players all, all week have been commenting on his passion, like Robbie Brady, his passion. I'd say like some of them at first, they're like, he, he just, he, they're probably tr- still in that figuring out stage though as well, right? Like, you know, that it's, I think people will warm to it, but obviously it takes, it takes an element of getting used to it too, doesn't it? Yeah, like there's times he'll say stuff and you actually don't know if he's, you know, joking or not. So you're on edge the whole time with him. Like sometimes actually... say, yeah, like what Rossi said, somebody say something to you and if another manager said it to you, you'd be joking. But when he says it to you, you know he's trying to tap into something for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's very such unique as, in that. Such as what, like a compliment aimed towards you or something like that? Or... Yeah, like he just, like there was times I was at some dock and wasn't playing, but somehow in my head I thought I was the main man. And he just had that way of speaking with you where you're kind of going, it's a mild touch that he just knows how to tap into things or players. And I've often said some of my biggest goals, he had teed me up before the game, even though I wasn't starting. So I'm sitting on the bench, arguably drops, but the reality was I was ready to come on for him. And he'll have that without this, throughout the squad. Like I heard Damien Duff on the telly there during one of the Champions League games or something, and he was saying he trusts him with his life and he was a really trustworthy guy and he, he, he bought into him straight away. And like... It, you know, these are highly, highly qualified coaches and highly, highly, you know, um, experienced players that he's doing it with. And I don't see it being any different because he, it's kind of the humane aspect he taps into more than anything. And He's you know, a I decent bloke, isn't he? Like, he's just a good man and people like that. Yeah, right. you'll, you'll find very few people to, that'll say much negative about him. You know what I mean? Reporters, people who work with him, players, past, you know, the whole lot. He, he just has that likeable... Uh, character and um, you know the thing about it is I think for anyone who's worked under him and Rossi and say the same I think he deserves success because of his nature mm, mm. and he's also come through like you know the the, the, the the horror of the Shamrock Rovers experience and uh, what are you expecting Rossi from it all very very hopeful oh yeah absolutely I think I think if nothing else look you don't know how results are going to go and you don't know how I, I suppose it, it's going to come across in the next couple of games because it's still in its infancy. But, you know, Niall Quinn done a, a press conference a couple of weeks ago and he was there saying, look, at this, this is, there's a long-term goal here. And, you know, Stephen, the way Stephen had his 21s team playing, you know, had people buzzing. Like, it literally did. I can remember some of my mates went to Talat to watch them playing and he goes, I've never seen an Irish team play like this. And then with the success of the teams younger, you know, it's 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 great to see. So you're you're there hopeful that in the next couple of years all these players will be bled through. Malumbi obviously being the first, but you've got the likes of Connor Coventry and stuff. Ida there, I seen him score a goal uh, there. It was like a Paolo de Canio volley, like it came over the top and he and he caught it with the right foot. It was a beautiful finish. So, you know, people have been giving out that Obafemi hasn't been in, but obviously what, what Stephen is looking for in this particular, I suppose, setup at the minute with Ida suits more and he's more specialised in that role that he wants, as, as Duffer said, like at the minute, what he's looking for. If, if anyone is reminded of uh, early lockdown when you were playing games of poker to get through it, I think that's Dan's headphones just clipping against his zip every now, but uh, we're going to sort that problem. Speaking of a problem uh, killer, what were you doing to Galway United again on Friday? A 5-2 game that wasn't a 5-2 game. Galway well, well in it like a 2-all. Yeah, the John Caulfield regime looked like it was going to start off with a, a, an uproaring result and then it didn't anyway and you won 5-2 and you're into the next round. Yeah, look, it was, um, that was always going to be a, a tricky game for us. Obviously, a new manager coming in down there, they were always going to get a reaction. And to be honest, when we looked at their squad before the game, we weren't taking them for granted. They've got some good players there and... You know, they're, they're in a false position right now. So that will improve for them. Um, on the game itself, yeah, look, at we they missed the panel early, which could have changed the dynamic of the game. But in fairness, you know, our gaffer and, and coaches have had us kind of prepared for a tough game. And it turned out to be that way. But we got there in the end and going down, you know, it said we'd, we'd, we'd win 5-2 and come home and we would have bit your hand off. And it put um yeah, tough game. And, you know, there's not much between any of the, the teams in any of the divisions in this league. So we're just happy to be in the quarterfinal now. Yeah, the the rest of the season for yourself, uh, you're happy enough with your form. You look very sharp Friday night, and your your league form. You know, I, I saw you against Rovers. I thought you were really good, and this Shell team is kind of developing as well. Massively, yeah. Look, at I think 
again, we're, we're following the manager's instructions and that, and it seems to be working out for us a lot lately. That Rovers game was went well for us that night. You know, we, that was the first time they dropped points at home. That's the, this season. We, we knew it was a tough game, and any points you get there are usually a bonus. So, um, to to, to it was live on the telly as well, which meant a you know an, an extra occasion for us because you know families get to watch it and stuff like that and we were delighted with our performance on the night and we've carried it on now into the FBI Cup and we have a huge game this week against Cork which will be you could nearly say season defining for, for both clubs already because it's going to be a huge um, a huge kind of three points up for grabs there and um, could dictate where the, where the, where the remainder of the season goes You say that, that that's interesting sorry Dan because this season defining thing there's so many teams that could end up uh, in the relegation scrap or could end up looking for Europe that's it, and the season, the league's so tight. Like if you'd said to us, I think at the halfway point now in the season, we're probably three points behind Dundalk. If you'd said that to me at the start of the season, I would have been telling you, "Wow, God, we must be having an unbelievable season." But the reality is, you're also four points off the the relegation playoff spot. So that's how how tight it is right now. And um, it it is. Look at all the everyone is capable of beating everyone and taking points off everyone. So it is the. The wild wild west at the minute in that league, and any, everyone's beating everyone. But um, look at it. It's it's it's. It can change a couple of bad results and you could get dragged into it and a couple of good ones could take you anywhere. Yeah, Kerry, I'm conscious, you can't have to nip off in a second. I just want to ask you, I'm just thinking, Mark Rossiter, you played with a young Gary Deegan at, at Bowes, right? Am I correct? And, mm. and, and you now have this sort of older, more grizzled version, uh, Kieran. Like, what's he like to share a dressing room with? And I'm, I'm going to almost throw it to both of you because I, I think you've seen, him at, you've seen him at different sides of his career, but I'm wondering, is the same intensity between them uh, but you know, between the two stories, I mean, what, what was he like as a kid, maybe, Mark? And then he was a very quiet lad, just wanted to play football. Um, always seemed angry, I think he always <laughs> seems angry. Um, yeah, he was he was genuinely just wanted to play and train. And if he was left out to be rested and stuff like that, he wasn't he wasn't happy at all. Um, he we used to see him come at the training. There was like Paddy Madden, which was the kid at the time as well. And he used to pick him up on the way to training. But then you'd see Deegs, like he'd have, he had this Honda kind of Jeep, an old Jeep. And like, he'd have his head out one window and he had a bull mastiff had a head out the other window. Like, and he actually looked like his dog. Um, yeah. So I'd imagine that he hasn't changed that much really, like to be fair. Kieran, like, yeah, Kieran, what's he like? He's, he's, he, I, I was up to your game against Finn Harps, which was like closed doors game, and I really got a sense of it then, just that sort of personality. That you, you don't hear it all with the crowd normally, but he was 10 men. That game was a bit of a grueler, but he was sort of relishing it. Oh, that, listen, he, he hasn't changed by the sound of it. Like he's, I'm just glad he's on my team sometimes than the other team. He's that kind of character. He's... Um, yeah, he's intimidating. He looks intimidating, and he is intimidating. And he demands, um, he demands a lot from us. And he was a huge signing for us, even the whole dynamic of the dressing room, because you know he's had a good career himself. And coming into us, like he never, like he's one of them fellas. Sometimes you go into training, you just probably want to have a, an easier session. You just don't want to be on these team that day. Do you know what I mean? Because it's every day. It's he's intense and uh, he's demanding. But like. I have a good relationship with him. I'm very close to him. I talk to him, you know, when we're on the trips or that on the bus. I, I tend to always pick the brain and he's some great stories as well. And such a such a unique character as well. But um a legitimate tough guy because not only does he talk that he definitely backs it up as well. So great guy to have. Uh thanks a million for coming on. We know you you've soft to do a big game against Cork and best of luck in the cup as well, because I think everyone is in with some sort thanks. of chance this year. Great for having you on. Thanks a million, lads. Anytime. Enjoyed it. Cheers, Karen. Don't forget to visit lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook where you'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SXE Electricity Premier Division. And this week, Lottoland is boosting four favourites. Hats Rovers, Shells and Sligo from 13 to 1 to 16 to 1. And you can also back its enhanced price of both teams to score in Rovers versus Bows from 7 to 5 to 2 to 1, uh, which is definitely an interesting play at the moment. Lots of goals in Calla the other day. Don't forget you will have the Gypsies to win the league as well if you want. It's still boosted from 3s to 5 to 2. What will that price look like this time next week? And that's until Friday. To avail of all these fantastic prices, visit the price boosters section in the sportsbook menu, lotoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Uh, thanks, Kieran Kilduff. Uh, Rossi, what do you really think of Kieran? Though you know he's gone now, so uh, good lad, bad lad. He's a gent of a lad. Like, but he was he was annoying to play against um, because I suppose 
he wasn't the type of striker that he'd always go like the feet looking for the ball where he's in front of you. And he can run, man, he can run. So literally it was one of them, he'd come spin and he's gone and you'd be chasing him for 50 yards like he was, he was a nightmare. Absolutely. I, 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 like, I do like the Shells team because it's a nice mixture of, as Dan was saying, obviously Deegan and Kilduff and uh, a few sort of senior characters. But like I, where I was at the game in Galway, the Shells bench were sort of right in front of me and this collection of young guys coming in as well. And Ian Morris is this very, very promising manager. I think they're definitely on the up. Absolutely. Um, you know, and then I suppose, look, you've got Duff with the 17s as well. That's mm. going to attract players. So, yeah, they, I seen them against Dundalk first game of the season and Deegan actually scored. Um, and they, they, they put it up to Dundalk. They really, really did. Um, yeah, I was impressed with them. Definitely. They're, they're, they're going to be good. Like, they've got experience there with like the likes of Georgie Poynton. And I think he's he was up. excellent. You've seen the last two games, he's been absolutely excellent. Likes the horses as well. Yeah, but he's only about 20, 22 or 23. Mm. But yet, um, when, when, Jesus, when I was at Dundalk, he made his debut at right back and he was 16. You know, like he, he yeah, he was, he's very, um, like he, he's had a good education, literally, and he's very experienced, even though he's so young. And he'll, he'll learn off the likes of Deegan there as well. You know? it's, it's, it's funny because you get these players that maybe aren't mentioned that much. But when I was at the Rovers Shells game, Frugia was effectively taken off because he absolutely bossed him in the second half. And Frugia's this massive prospect. But uh, Sligo Rovers, if you're talking about Sligo for a team that have come out of lockdown sort of in different shape, like a lot of us, this has been an amazing transformation. Maybe they weren't getting the results they deserved, but what, what, like you saw them against UCD, they're, they're banging there in the cup now. What have you made of it all? They started, they started very slow, um, but coming off the back of last-minute winner against Waterford and beating Dundalk, albeit, um, you know, I suppose, there's, as we spoke about earlier, there's problems there off the pitch. The 11 players that Dundalk will still put on the pitch are, you know, they'll challenge anybody. And mm. more nine times out of ten, they should be beaten. Um, anybody to play against, but um, they've done really well. But it's it's from a tactical point of view. If you if you watch them, right, UCD play the same way. They're going to play nice football, and there's angles all over the place. But I was surprised at how the the Buckley philosophy has resonated in their performance the other night. Everything about Buckley is triangles, triangles everywhere. The player in possession of the ball has four or five options. Um, and I think if they can get the ball more to Coughlin up top, he's he's very skillful. He's he's I don't know if he's trying to base his luck everything on Ibrahimovic, but he runs like him. <laughs> he, you know, he's just he he got a chance in the second half, and I was looking at it in there, and I was I was I was talking to the co-commentator, and I was there saying if that was Pat Hoban, he would have scored. And I think that's all he's missing to be a top player in this league, um, because technique-wise, everything he's his link-up play, he's he's got it all. It's just he needs to be more prolific. Yeah, I think all I think as an all-round attacker, like he's definitely. I've spoken to some people about him in the last couple of weeks. You know, involved in the league and around the league, and like his all-round attack and play could be as could be as good as anyone. And, yeah, you know, in the league at the moment, it's just that final. As the comment that was made was that he just doesn't doesn't score enough. But you see, then then you see the goals he sometimes scores, and you think, you know, that he he has it in the locker Absolutely. as such. You know, um, but he must be a nightmare to play against. I think because of like he, you can imagine from your times you spent a centre half that he can he can drop deep and get in the balls. So but he goes drifting, so do you tra- do you track him? But then he's he's also quick as well. Even that even that goal he scored the header. But you could just see he like he he sent the ball out wide, but then he was gone. Yeah. And he, he has a bit of everything to some degree. He does. Um and I think it helps as well. It seems like the three boys that are playing, uh, the Vries, Thievers and Junior are higher up the pitch, which helps him because when I seen them last season, it seemed like he was very isolated up top on his own and they were playing too deep. Um and it seems like their their whole midfield um has has moved say ten yards forward, so he always has people in close proximity to him. So it makes it easier for him because he's more options and he's not as isolated and I suppose chasing hopeless balls and stuff like that. So yeah, they they impress me definitely. Yeah, you've got a couple of similarities in that. You've kind of got a, a more exalted brother who's a pro footballer as well. 
Who? Sorry? Yeah, yeah, you've got a better brother, kind of. He's got Garvin, and you had your brother Ian, of course, who's a better footballer as well. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Well, um, <laughs> show us your medals, Ian. Show us your medals there, to be fair. To be fair. Has he, he keeps showing me the, the under-16 uh, European medal. He'd say, do you have one of them, do you? But, uh, yeah. Um, uh, he played for Galway so Johnny's he's a hero and Johnny's a <laughs> yeah what more do you want um, I suppose the season itself it has been a bit madcap like but uh, Sligo are that sort of team now that like everyone was talking about I did no points out of lockdown but like I absolutely could finish above Dundalk the way things are going at the moment like this is just that mad of a season it's, it, yeah, it is. And you know what it is? It's putting huge structure and building blocks for them to go into hopefully a proper season next year. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's there because they've got loads of young lads. I, I just think from from the point of view, when I was looking at the game the other night, the way the UCD started the game and the three midfielders who were the standout players for UCD all left Sligo to go to UCD um, mm. with Paul Doyle you know, being being the standout player on the pitch, to be honest. Um, and like I know Paul Curry was on the last podcast, Richie, and I kept making reference to, he reminds me of Richie Ryan, but Paul Curry as well, same thing, beautiful ball players, lovely left foot, always given lovely angles to, to get a square pass to go into a front man or to a, to a midfielder. He was, he was very, very good. And, I, you know, like if it was Paul Cook's time, he would have had him there you know, but I suppose the the grow getting a scholarship to UCD, in fairness, fair play to them, to the three lads to go and uh, I suppose educate themselves and look beyond football. You know, on that as well, it's like it's kind of a, a little indication of the quality in the first division because like Galway had so much good quality about them on Friday, even a five-two loss. And you mentioned UCD players there that nobody basically sees. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I, I was laughing about it there because the game was be- behind closed doors, but I was there saying sure, if, if it was open, it probably wouldn't have been any bigger. UCD has though. never been more hostile, like, to be fair. Oh, no. no. <laughs> more hostile when they, with your ticket you got two pints or something <laughs> in the bar, I think it was, you know. Um, now, look, at they, they produced some of the best young players in the league. Like, you look at Gary O'Neill is playing for, for Shamrock Rovers the other day and starting in, in midfield for them in Europe. Like, it's it's... You know, Ronan, Finn, Shane McFall, you know, Kilduff, Keith Ward. Like all of them, they're all products of UCD. And, you know, I think the league would be a lesser league without UCD. It's unfortunate for them. They, they produce players and then they lose them. Um, but, yeah, they can't compete with the, with the, the big sides. But, um, Dan, you know, what... Dan is a product of UCD as well. Well, right? yeah. Dan is a product of UCD. Sorry, your birthday on Monday, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday. Oh, listen, yeah, thanks for that slightly, slightly pointless aside, Johnny. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, back to Cochrane, though. I think, um, I think the clubs in Europe would like that type of option. And it's going to be interesting now to see how, because the European, so, so we've had the European games last week, and in a strange one, like Bowes played really, really well in Hungary uh, and had a really good plan, and they had pace in Europe. Rovers probably didn't play that well until they went down to the 10 and they showed a bit of spurred probably to, to hang in there. Derry, we spoke about it last week, disappointing. It's a, li- a little bit harsh on Rovers in that the penalty was such a bad decision after, after eight Yeah, minutes it probably knocked them a bit. And to be honest, I didn't actually see a huge amount of the game because I wasn't at it. So that stream was, uh, was a bit temperamental. Uh, the people are talking about going for the stream for the AC Milan game. It's like they better, I think they'll probably need to do it at a slightly higher respect than, than last week's one. <laughs> but, um, but the, uh, the bizarre thing about it now is that it is Dundalk who are best placed to do well in Europe, just purely how things have fallen. And what that has driven home more than anything is how important it is to win the league to qualify, you know, in, in the mm. context of Europe. Because that route for the champions now, and this goes back to the earlier point, of all the years for Dundalk to implode, having won five out of six, of all the years to implode, it's if you have a plan for the club long term, it's this year. Because I know you said the Rovers are the form team, Johnny. I know, I know what you're saying in broad terms. To an them. extent, to an extent. Yeah, like. I was going to say, like, they haven't, they've dropped points since the break. And if the dog were at it, they probably would be level with them by now, you know. Um, but, but here's the thing. You look at now Dundalk, purely because they've qualified for champions, even though they drop into the Europa League. They play inter-club from Andorra next. As people were joking, Rovers got AC and the dog got inter. They got inter from Andorra. They should win that, although I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm low to get too 
League of Ireland clubs in Europe, it's, I mean, they can never be complacent about any game ever. Then they played, they played Terrace Ball from Moldova, who actually Transnistria, but that's a... a That'd be a good trip, Dan, though. We're, we're not going to get into Moldovan politics in this show, but they are basically a, a sort of a... They have a state-funded club. They've qualified for the Europa League four times, so they're not... People think, oh, Moldovan club or whatever. They're not. They're not. But, but in that last Europa League round, right, if they get through, if they beat Moldovan team somehow, that's a lot of ifs here. Uh, Filippo will be sort of a star if he can, if he can, if he can do that. That that last round, it's there's five seeded teams and eleven unseeded teams, and they just all go into a pool. So like you know, so there's five and five, and then there's six. But you could end up playing like, like in theory, right? Like Linfields now are at home to their team from Malta, Floriana. They're then at home to the winners of Floratal in Estonia and Reykjavik from Iceland, and then Linfield in the last round could get like could get an other unseeded team like like the Dock could play Linfield for example and that, that, they'd have to get fans for that but that, but that I'm just saying that that's a route to the Europa League group stages because you're a champion like it's so whereas Rovers play AC oh, Milan yeah. you know in, in, in the second round and, and the Finnish team weren't even that bad like but, so, so the whole point is that like next year the champion starts off in the Champions League now it's a bit different because we have this new third conference league right but I'm not going to get bogged down into it. But if Rovers get through the first Champions League round, the worst case scenario they'll be in, the worst case scenario is a playoff for that new group stage, that new competition, where the hardest team you're going to be playing is another champion that's been knocked out early like you. Like, it's all about being the champion. And even Dundalk in, in peak crisis, pardon the pun, like peak crisis mode, like actually have a route that within the... We always talk about Irish teams punching above their weight and so on. But like it is possible to get a route that's not insurmountable relative to your. You need a bit of luck of the draw, mm. and they've got luck of the draw by getting the Andorran team. They also could have got, I think, could they have got Jur Gardens or someone really hard in that round, or they could have got Celtic potentially in the next mm. round through through uh, them being knocked out. But I'm just saying that it is there for you, and it's weird. Like it's weird that it's all there for the champion if they do well. And I wonder, Mark, like that these Dundalk players. Right, they've had a they've had a bad time of it, right? It's been a bad time of it, but they're now sitting there looking at paper on they play a team from Andorra, and and if they can do that, they can potentially play a team from Moldova, albeit one that's very wealthy and so on. But I wonder, like, does that focus your mind and you forget all your troubles and you just go here? This is a chance, like this is exciting. And can I can I just add to that, Mark, and say there is a suggestion that like this, the new lads haven't created that bad of an impression at Dundalk, and that they've actually kind of half bought into what they're saying. If um, you know, if if right, Europe, yeah, every player wants to play in Europe, absolutely, regardless of the opposition. Um, if if they can keep the circuits uh, to the boardroom, <laughs> and the two lads um, show that they're not cowboys. That player, them players could absolutely, as you say, if they get a favourable draw, you know, they beat the Moldovan team and, and you know, they, they're capable of, like, they're one of the most capable teams that we've ever produced in this land, like, so. Um, well, just on that as well, you say Patching and Daniel Kelly, like, would have played fairly key roles in Cove. You have players who kind of were out of favour or weren't starting, who now are thinking, well, I have a fresh start here. Clean sheet, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not as if, you know, Vinny has left and, you know, one of his backroom staff has taken over, you know, mm. it's not everybody's gone. So, you know, the two boys that have come in are just literally watching games and watching training. So if you produce and I suppose you buy into what they're saying, there's every chance you're going to play. Um, he, he was a defender himself, yes. Yeah, yeah. played lower yeah. league, league centre. Like, it seems like, a, you know, it's, it's, it's reverted to the cliche, but a lot of the early stuff you're hearing is, quite structured. He's even taking the defence and the midfield attack like two different sessions almost, you know, yeah. that, they're, that they're, they're going down into, the de- they're digging down into detail. Absolutely. Well, and I, he I played Serie C, which is not a bad standard at all relative to where he used to like. No, well, well he played centre-back with Berzagli, who was mm. a, a linchpin in the Italian defence for a long time and was a monster. Um, he speaks really well and he's a, a very charming man by the sounds of things, you know, so... Um, you'd just be hoping that the players buy into them. If nothing, like at the end of the day, you're not blessed with four and five year contracts here. You know, you need mm. to you need to produce because the, the the problem is with this league, you could go from being a full time player at Dundalk 
to a part-time player at some other and you're you're there and your your wage is quarter what it was and and stuff like this and you know you may never get that opportunity again so um you know and 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 nothing is beyond this team like they could still effectively put a run together and challenge for the league so the way rovers are playing it's not like rovers are still far from convincing for me yeah and and with Pat Hoban there, you still have the most prolific striker in the league. So if you create chances for him, you know, then then they'll score goals and win games. Patrick McElhenney, one of the most talented players I've ever seen in the league. You know, if they, if any of these boys like um, Michael Duffy, I think I think the biggest thing that Dundalk seem to be missing is you know a voice a voice in the dressing room like Stevie O'Donnell, because I don't think all the bullshit that's going on he would have stayed quiet yeah. about it. He's not that type of character. I think he would have literally upended the place. Um, and, and and that's the thing as well. If you if you look at Bowes like and, and Bowes are playing Rovers the weekend, Bowes have those characters. Cornwall got badly injured obviously against Fervar, but they have Bucko as was mentioned. He's the key player and they've just strong personalities all over the pitch. And, and yeah and, and they really have a chance now all of a sudden. But it's not even it's not even that. You still have the likes of Derek Pender there who mm. You know, his commentary on the stream. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was it was the worst ever. It was like something out of North Korea was that bad. Yeah, but it but was it, brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. But yeah. he's so invested in it and he, he loves the club and loves the players and just he's kicking every ball with them. So you can bet your life before that game he'll be in the dressing room there winding everybody up the wall like um and that's what you want because you know, from from a budget point of view, from from everything on paper, you know, balls don't stand a chance against Rovers. But if I was putting a tenner on it, I'd be putting it on balls to beat them. Well, Dan, he mentioned, uh, you know, obviously Twardek. If Rovers played those two, Finn and Ferruja, which they've been playing as their conventional wing backs, and you put Danny Grant has been one of the players of the season so far, and Twardek is probably not far off him. Uh, I think Bowes are going into this in a better place than Rovers. If that, that might be mad, I give them absolutely every chance. I suppose if you look at it, like, so Bowes are out of Europe now. They're in the Cup, but the Cup is, is now November, right? Like, it's, mm. it, it, it doesn't continue to them. So, God, it's like a Rovers Bowes thing talking about it's their Cup final. But, like, they've, like they've, got, they've, got, nine, <laughs> they've got nine games, Bowes, right? And, like, you know, we, we, we saw them go sort of to Faravar. They're very well managed, very well coached. Like, you know, they've previously gone to Talent and got results, albeit Rovers have just started to get one over them in the last couple of games. But like, they've got nine games. They've got nine game plans. You know, they've got a reasonable squad. Like, the reason that we talk about why teams that are part-time can't win the league is, and to me, it's because of that run that we normally have in April, May, June, yeah. where you have, like, bloody, you know, 15 games in 20 days or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, like sort of that insane run. And that's where the dog have steamrolled the league the last couple of years. Like, that's when they're going to... Whereas now, it's like you've got... The, the fixtures are spread out. The, unless games are rescheduled for, un, 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 you know, reasons that we're not expecting now. You've got a bit of a run. And, like, this is a game now where if they can go away to Fairvar and really... You know, have a plan where really they could have stolen that game if keep not even stolen, not even no, stolen. No, no, that's just well, the sort of a, yeah. the turn of phrase, maybe like I'm not. It wouldn't have been robbery at all. And also, they have like, massive strength and depth. They have nearly two players for every but, position. Man, they get a look in. But they, but they had the element of the they did like they did sit in a bit too at times. I guess mm. that's what I'm saying. Like they they played to the fact that it was a, a cup tie, and you know they they picked their moments, and they could have mm. like that that key ward chance late was like. No, they would have stood pressure and then they could have done it. The classic mm. away performance. Mm. Um, but So if they can do it there, I don't think they're going to be afraid of going to Tala. And the irony is that what teams have started to do against Rovers and Tala and what started to frustrate them is that teams have really started to sit in them like, to a sense that it's now become a sense of like, you just have to try and play through us. And Rovers they, are eminently vulnerable on the break. They defend it hard. And Bowers have good... Like they, we've shown in that fair of our game that if they can sort of play the ball out and, and utilise Twardek and, and Grant. But they've got a chance. I, I've completely flipped to thinking that both title chance, challenge can happen. So now sort of thinking, look, why not with nine games? Mm. And I'm sure that will be their mindset, Mark, like in, in the group. They have nothing really to... So this is, okay, they have to play on dog, but this is like the hardest game in theory they have on, on their run-in is, is Rovers away. Absolutely. And if you look at the way that they, they capitalised Twardek against their right-back 
you know, Twardek's legs seem to go on forever. So if he's mm. isolated 1v1, right, Joey O'Brien's had an amazing career, but, you know, he's in the twilight of it. Is he able, is he going to have the same legs to, to chase after Twardek? Absolutely not. No chance. So, like, there in itself, you'd be looking at them to isolate that. So, you know, Bowles could stretch them. They really, really could. Um, you know, Dinny is back scoring as well. So, you Good know, option, yeah. it, it's it's going to be a, a mouthwatering fixture. But no, no crowd is going to be weird, though, I suppose. Mm. But, like, I guess we, everyone's used to that now. I don't know, maybe do, do we stop talking about it? But I still wonder, like, for the Derby game, is it still, is that still one where it's a bit unusual? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, who, who does it even suit? Like, you know, does it suit anyone? Like, it's, it's a home crowd, but often bows have fed off that massive away support in Tala, too. Like, I... I don't know. Is, is it even relevant? Like you know, do you take that aspect out? Two o'clock on a Saturday. It's not. It's not Friday under the lights. I, I don't know. Yeah, Friday under the lights were already waving a flag in the corner. You know? <laughs> um, like you like yeah. Yeah, losing the crowd is going to be huge for that. You know, just because it's you know if like I was at the one. It was the second game of the season, and uh, yeah, it was. You know, was it was it the first game of the season? Both is that the one with Aaron Green first with the 93rd game. minute goal? Yeah. Is it this yeah. year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was the first game. First game, first game yeah. of the season, and like that was robbery in itself because Bowles didn't deserve that. If any team was going to win, it was probably Bowles, and it was only in the last 10 minutes that the Rovers seemed to apply pressure. Um, because Bowles had a player sent off, the young lad Lions. Yeah. Um, so Who was yeah, absolutely man. sensational last week, by the way. Lions. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's excellent. He's, he's excellent. Chance, I'd be surprised yeah. if he's here next year, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. He's, he's very good. He's only, what, about 18, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's only got he's his leaving search. T-total, you know, he's got his life sorted out. T-total. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to visit lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook where you'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SSE Electricity Premier Division. And this week, Lottoland is boosting four favourites. Pats, Rovers, Shells and Sligo from 13 to 1 to 16 to 1. And you can also back its enhanced price of both teams to score in Rovers versus Bowes from 7 to 5 to 2 to 1, uh, which is definitely an interesting play at the moment. Lots of goals in Tallaght the other day. Don't forget you will have the Gypsies to win the league as well if you want. It's still boosted from 3 to 5 to 2. What will that price look like this time next week? And that's until Friday. To avail of all these fantastic prizes, visit the Price Boosters section in the Sportsbook menu, lotoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. And let's just uh, wrap up um, in terms of the fixtures of the weekend. Watford, Pats, that's a massive game in itself. Darren Murphy now having gone to Watford. Shamrock Rovers, Bowes, Shelburne, Cork City, Sligo, Finn Harps on the Monday. And uh, in the first division, John Caulfield will be bidding for his first uh, victory as Galway United manager. And it looks one that they certainly have a chance as well because Galway United visit Athlone Town. And we also have, I get the fixtures up here, we have Bray, Cabinteely, Drodd Cove, UCD, Wexford, Shamrock Rovers, Longford Town. Um, it just keeps happening, Dan. There's just fixture after fixture of of massive kind of interest and significance. Yeah, the first division is going to get more is going to get more column space, I think, as, as it goes on. Because it's... It, well, you can throw a blanket over teams nearly now. Um, and, and again, of course, weekend, we have the Finland game on Sunday as well. So we've got the, the two Ireland games dotted around it. Um, and we've managed to get through an entire podcast without talking about the FIE GM. And I, for one, welcome that. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Who's going to win the Cup, Rossi? We'll go back to it again. Um... I don't know. Like, it, it, they're all Premier teams now, are they? Left. I think Athlone are still in yeah, it. Athlone beat Wexford. Uh, Galway lost to Shells. Drogheda lost to Derry. Harps beat Bray. Cove beaten by Dundalk. UCD lost to Sligo. Rovers beat Cork. Bowes beat Cabin Teeley. And I suppose that's a fair point to make, Ross. He was routine enough for the Premier Division teams. I'll, uh, I'll go Dundalk. Dundalk, yeah. That would that, be a story, Dan. Well, I mean, what... <laughs> I'm just thinking of like them all coming out of like the maddest couple of months of their life and then like qualifying for the Europa League group stages and winning the FBI oh, Cup yeah. <laughs> win everything. Like I, I sort of feel they could win everything or lose to the Andorans and like finish sixth. Like I, I, I think things are going to extremes here that I'm not sure if they can find like a, a neutral middle ground here. I, I sort of feel it could go both ways um, for them, you know. 
But, you'd, but, just uh, be hoping, you'd just be hoping that it goes the right way. Um, just from a European point of view, the league look after itself. But I mean, um, you'd just be hoping, I suppose, to, to keep our stock high in Europe, you'd be hoping that uh, they at least get through this round. Yeah, and I think we do. And I, I, I hate talking about coefficients and stuff, but the, the 2016 Dundalk run is coming towards the end of its shelf life. And uh, we sort of need our clubs to, to get results this year and, and, and next because... Bizarrely, we're going to be overtaken. League of Ireland is going to be overtaken by the Irish League because they dropped down into that preliminary round. And as a result, they got loads of 90-minute wins that are like driving up their, their rankings. So there's going to be a massive overreaction to that when it happens because there's going to be reasons that it has happened. Um, but it is something that, you know, uh, people don't necessarily all got on board with like waving the green flag around their teams in Europe. But actually, things are going to drop so low that we actually really need one or two of them to do well in the next year. And whoever the champions are going forward next year, they really need to capitalise on the new opportunities that are come, that are come their way. Thanks yeah. for coming on, Rossi. Uh, anytime, lads. Anytime. Great talking, uh, Mark. Take care. Yeah, I hope, obviously, things pick up on, on uh, the business front. It's been a, a tough time for a lot of us. And uh, hopefully, you know, I don't know. Will, will we ever have pubs again, lads? Is it, is it <laughs> ever going to happen? Jesus Christ, Johnny. Yeah, I reckon. I it's 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 a it's a mad time. It's a mad time. The bi- I, I told you this morning, Johnny. Like I don't eat red meat anymore because you put me off it with your steak on a train story. So that that was Dan's um, story. In fairness, <laughs> it was, it, the story actually involved your, you know, sort of. Have, have you given up red meat behavior? Yeah. Why is that? I just to to I went back training and stuff like that. So just to see how uh, the body reacts to not eating red meat. So what are you training uh, for? Huh? What are you training at? Ah, no, nothing. Just going to the gym because I can't mm. run or anything anymore. Knees are, knees aren't great, so I don't. It's the only exercise I get really. So, um, need to be careful of getting fat. You know what I mean? Well, just just on that, like as we as we wrap up, how, how what's it like being a guy of your age who not only could reflect in a career that could have been better if you actually had a bit of luck with injuries, but also the toll that that's taken on your body now at this stage. Um. It was grand up until, never had an issue with it until I stopped playing full-time football. And then, like, you know, if I go for a jog, if, you know, there was a thing we were doing in the gym and I had to jog 200 metres. And I, uh, I felt it that evening that I had jogged because I've got very little cartilage in me right knee. So, yeah, I don't, I do no impact stuff. So I, uh, I'd cycle, um, swim, stuff like that. I wouldn't do any football or anything that it's of impact. Go golfing a wee bit. Um, so that'd be the most strenuous thing on my leg, really, to be fair. See you for Astro next week. And thanks for calling as ever. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime. Top man. Our thanks again to our spotters, Lottoland, where you can dream big for your Euro Millions and Irish Lotto betting. Also check out the top SAC, your Tristy League and European qualifier markets at lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Talk to you next week when you never know, bowls could be top of the day. But there are-